But last week we opened up the video of some kids that opened up a gift and they were very disappointed with the present. They were so disappointed. And, um, and, and so today I want you to meet my friend, Ralphie. Ralphie is up here. We'll see him in just a sec. Can of Simon Eyes. Ralphie, what did Aunt Clary give you? Show everybody. I don't want to. Ralphie, show everybody what Aunt Clara gave you. <sighs> Aunt Clara had for years labored under the delusion that I was not only perpetually four years old, but also a girl. She just always gives you the nicest things, Ralphie. Oh, my. Oh, isn't that sweet? Ralph, go upstairs and try it on. I don't want to. Go upstairs right now and try on that present. She went to all that trouble to make it. Now, go on. Immediately, my feet began to sweat as those two fluffy little bunnies with the blue button eyes stared sappily up at me. Um, come down here so I can see you better. I just hoped that Flick would never spot him, as the word of this humiliation could easily make life at Warren G. Harding School a veritable hell. Oh, isn't that cute? That is the most precious thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a deranged Easter bunny. He does not. He does, too. He looks like a pink nightmare. did not like that gift at all. Now, of course, later on in the movie, he did get his present, and uh, it was his little uh, daisy BB gun that he wanted so bad. But listen, we've all been there. We've gotten a gift, and we're like, oh, man, this is not what I had hoped it would be. And um, you were slightly disappointed. And, uh, and so today, we want to talk about that. Romans chapter 15, verse number 13 is our key verse. We looked at this last week, and I want to look at it again. Uh, May the God of hope, <clears throat> we talk about hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And today, many... It's just not filled with peace. Now, Paul prayed for peace in our lives, and many people are not filled with peace. Some of you, you were wishing for something different under the tree. You were hoping for something else to come up in your life, and you open it, and it's not what you wanted. You had hoped for something different. And I know for a lot of people, this is the best time of the year. I know for others that this is a challenging time of the year. Maybe perhaps it's a heavy time of the year. I know that during this time of the year, it can just be crazy. It can get nuts. Crazy with the schedules, trying to plan the Christmas parties. In a few weeks, a Christmas morning gets closer and closer. You know, everyone gets a little bit more crazier and crazier in the stores. Crazy. Got to get everything done. Got to get all the presents. Got to get them wrapped. You got to get them under the tree. Got to get the house cleaned up. You got to get the decorations done. You know, you got to get the meal made. You know, you got to get everybody to grandma's house. It, it's just chaotic. Crazy. There's no peace. And instead of a peaceful time, everyone is tense, full of anxiety. Uh, however, some of you, you have health issues. And that, and that can be very difficult. Maybe even more difficult is when someone you love has health issues. And there's no peace in that. I know financially, a lot of people just dress out. Just spending and spending and spending, and January is coming, and so are the bills. You know, and as the present are being unwrapped, you're thinking, oh, man, I've got to pay for that. You know, and there's no peace in this. Some of you got family issues. You go to see your family, it's supposed to be a Merry Christmas. Instead, it's a Jerry Springer Christmas. 
Uh, everyone is just fighting, and, and it, it's nasty, and it's never pleasant, and there's no peace at Christmas. And where's the peace? It's doing Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. It's one of the first Christmas sermons that we hear about, one of the first ones, and it's a prophetic verse that's given 700 years before Christ, and we see that Jesus, that Messiah, that this child is given a very specific name. Look at Isaiah 9, verse number 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. My prayer is that you will experience the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just at Christmas time, but all year round. Which leads me to the question I want to wrestle with today. And here's the question. Where is Jesus, the Prince of Peace, during the rest of the year, during the, the normal, everyday moments of our lives? Where is the Prince of Peace? Where is he? And today as we unwrap the first gift, I go to the Christmas tree over here. I have a little box. And for many people, we're excited about what's in the box. We're excited about a gift with our name under the tree. And as we open it, it's not what we hope for. And it might come a little shocking. Yeah. Good old-fashioned dynamite. And for a lot of us, we open up a box hoping for peace, but we've got chaos. We've got trouble, anxiety. There's a lot going on in our lives. Where is Jesus in the middle of the chaos? Where is Jesus in the middle of all that is broken in this world? Where is the Prince of Peace? You know what? As I think about it, where was it 2,000 years ago when the Prince of Peace was born? Now, 2,000 years ago, if you look at Luke chapter 2, the very well-known and important passage of Scripture that talks about Christmas. It's the Christmas story. We see Luke chapter 2 where the angel come and the Lord is speaking you know, the angel of the Lord is speaking to the shepherds, right? And they're out in the field. They're outcasts. Nobody wants to be, nobody wants to do anything with the shepherds. All right? They're the outcasts, and, and they're, 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 they have a, uh, a felony record, most likely. It's the best job they could get was to be on the outside of the city limits, taking care of dirty, smelly, stinking sheep. And so they're out there, and the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse number 10, an angel showed up, and the shepherds were afraid. And the angel said, don't be afraid. I have brought you good news, which will cause great joy for all the people. And they talk about the, 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 the proclamation of the birth of Jesus in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, here's our word again, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. But you know, when I think about the birth of Christ, I'm not thinking about 
a very peaceful thing here. A little teenage girl named Mary finds out she's pregnant. She's pregnant by God. And that's tough to explain at the local country club. That's tough to explain around the water cooler that, hey, you know, I'm pregnant. You know, God got me pregnant. And I'm sure everyone's listening to, oh, wow, yeah, um, sure, congratulations. With eyes of, you know, judgment, looking at her like she's off her rockers. She's been pregnant by God, she says. And then, of course, she got to tell Joseph, who she's engaged with, and say, hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant. God got me pregnant. And Joseph, I mean, he's trying to figure this out. Uh, this is awkward. This is not a peaceful situation. Eventually, Joseph, he gets he get there. You know, he understands what's going on. And so he takes Mary to be his wife. And, of course, people are, like, looking at Joseph and you should abandon her. What are you thinking? This is nuts. And Joseph said, listen, she's telling the truth. Uh, and people just didn't fathom the truth here. Because they didn't think that Jesus would come down into a lowly hamlet in, in Nazareth, you know, and give this lady, uh, Mary, to be, to be pregnant. They didn't think that was how it was going to happen. You know, Jesus is supposed to come in royalty. The government will be upon his shoulders. He can come with fanfare and proclamation. Not through a little nobody named Mary. So no, hardly anybody believed this. But Mary moves along, and she's nine months pregnant. And they have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem across the country. Nine months pregnant on a donkey. There is nothing peaceful about that. Nothing. She gets there, and they pull into town. And you know she's freaking out. She said, Joseph. You know, where's the reservation? Joseph forgot to re reserve a hotel room. Uh, he totally dropped the ball. Didn't go to hotel.com and book him a room. And so, oh, man, so he's going into each little hotel lobby. And say, hey, listen, do you have a room? Is there availability? No, there's no place. Nowhere. Not a motel sit. Not a day's in. Not a comfort in. They're all booked. And finally, he runs into a guy, and he negotiates a deal because he got married She's not happy. She said, this baby is coming, Joseph. What's going to happen here? And, and so he finds a man and negotiates a deal. And, and the guy said, listen, I've got a little barn, and it'll be perfect. It'll, it'll work. And Joseph, you know, he goes back and says, honey, I found a room. And she's excited, right? She says, oh, good, Joseph. He finally came through. And she gets him into a barn. And this is not exactly what Mary had pictured giving birth to, with animals, animal poops, you know, with hay, being born in a feeding trough, a manger. It's not a peaceful story. And uh, listen, there's no epidural either. None. All right, can, can you say this? No epidural, no peace. I thank God for epidural in our lives. Somebody said, hey, I did it naturally. Awesome. You know, I, you know, I had a guy in Florida. And he was about to have his first baby. He said, hey, you have any words, any advice for a new daddy? You know, we're about to give birth. And I just said one word, epidural. That's all you need to know. If she asks for it, say yes. It's worth it. All right? And, uh, and so, and so there, there was none of that. There was no doctor. There was no nurse. There was no machine. This was, was in the most unsanitary situation. Nothing sanitary about this. Giving birth to the Prince of Peace. You look at it, it's not very peaceful. It's pretty chaotic. It's the opposite of peace. But there's the baby Jesus. He comes, he comes in. Of course, the magi, right? The wise men, they hear about the birth of Christ. And so they start making their way from a foreign land. And they get to town, and they start asking about the king of the Jews. We're looking for the baby who is the new king of the Jews. All right, now, here's the problem with this. 
the, apparently the Magi weren't up with the time because in Jerusalem was a very chaotic situation going on because there was a king named Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the king of that region. By the way, you know who gave him that title, Herod the Great? You know, it wasn't from some senate or some other foreign power. King Herod the Great gave himself his own name, the Great. Uh, he was that big on who he was. He had an ego issue. And anybody that was a threat to his throne, anybody that was a threat, he would have that person killed. He had his mother-in-law killed. He had his barber killed because he heard that the barber, you know, the barber was trying to give him some advice, you know, you know, cutting hair. And, you know, that's a great place for advice to happen, right? And, um, you know, he said, oh, you know, Harry, you should probably relax a little bit. And, you know, Harry didn't take that advice so well. He just off with his head. He's done. I'd find a new Bible. Right? And, and he had a son. He had a son who was next in line. And King Herod was on his deathbed. And King Herod felt like his son was a little too ambitious. A little too ambitious for the throne, a little too anxious to take over the kingdom. And so he had his son thrown into prison. Now, meanwhile, he's in prison. He heard that his dad died. And so he told the, the, the jailer, he said, hey, you got to let me out. All right, my dad's dead. It's time for me to take over the throne. He gets out of prison. He shows up at the palace, and dad was not dead. Dad was still alive. He's looking at his son. So, what are you doing? He said, oh, I thought you were dead. He said, you know what? I've had it, son. I've had it up to here. Off with your head. He had his own son killed. This was not a peaceful situation. And here you got the mad guys walking in town. Hey, we're looking for the king of the Jews. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse number 3. We got those verse up here. He said, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? And look at verse number three. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. In other words, they knew that this was not good. Whoa, 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 whoa. We don't go there because if Herod's not happy, ain't nobody happy. And so sure enough, Herod hears about it. He feels threatened. He hears about it. He tried to put up this little, oh, you know, I want to come. We find the Messiah, I want to know about it. Give me the address so I can look for him and worship him too. He said that with a smile in front of the wise men, but behind closed doors, he said, when I find that baby, I'm going to kill that baby because it's a threat to Herod the Great. Well, long story short, the wise men didn't go back to tell Herod, and Herod found out that he'd been tricked and so he decided to go into Bethlehem and have all male babies, two years and younger, killed. Now I've got to ask the question, where's the peace in that? Where's the peace to the Christmas story? It's tough to reconcile. It doesn't seem to make sense. You fast forward today to today, and I see people just don't have peace. I see people who are stressed out all the time. No peace. Tense. Anxiety. I see Christian marriages, and you think, okay, you know, he loved Jesus, and, you know, she loved Jesus. They, they, it should be a great marriage. It should be peaceful. And yet studies show that just as many Christian marriages end up in divorce as non-Christian marriages. Where's the peace in that? I look at people I know financially, and most people I know make far more money today than they ever have in their whole lives. And yet there's more financial pressure than they ever had. Where's the peace? Where's the peace in that? I see relational, relational tension. People just can't get along. You know, you can't even point to a mall parking lot without being flipped off. You know, where, where's the peace? 
Everyone's angry, mad at each other. You turn on the TV, you watch the news, and you know, horrible news of crimes, murder, kidnapping. You hear about school shootings. You, know, you hear about countries being at war, and there's no peace. And if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, did he drop the ball? Did he fail? I mean, are we, are we missing something here? But when we study Jesus, when we look at his name, the Prince of Peace, when we understand what it really means, I hope that will help us to have a better understanding of the way we live in the world that we're living in. And I hope that we have a fresh, a fresh perspective in who Jesus is. The Prince of Peace in the word, in the Hebrew word, it's the word Sar Shalom. Sar Shalom. We got the word up here. Sar Shalom. And just hold that word up here for just a few minutes. The word Sar, let's talk about the word Sar. It means the one who's in charge. It means the captain. It means the Lord, the chief, the general. The Roman, they use that word sar, and they pronounce, well, they spell it differently, C-Z-A-R, sar, and they use that word. And then eventually that word became the word Caesar, like Julius Caesar. It was a title. It was a title of importance a title of, of sovereignty. It was the one that was in charge. Jesus is the captain. He's the sir. He's the chief. He is the sir of shalom. Let's look at the word shalom. What does that mean? Shalom was actually a greeting word for the, for the people in their days. They were actually, instead of saying hi, they would say shalom. That's how they will welcome each other. Shalom. That's how they still, in, some, in, in Israel, uh, in, in Jewish uh, culture, they still use this word, shalom. Shalom. The word shalom means rest. It means tranquility. It means wholeness. It means completeness. So we see Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he is the Sar Shalom. He is the captain of rest. He is the Lord of tranquility. He is the chief of contentment, of wholeness, of completeness. Jesus is the Sar Shalom. I have another gift I need to unwrap, and I got this over here. As I open this gift, you're going to look at it, and you're going to be like, that is a weird idea of peace. And I'm not very good at opening these things. There we go. Some of you like to wrap your, you know, wrap your present and make it harder than to break in Fort Knox, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Just so much tape. Here we go. We're going to... Do I know what this is? Yeah, umbrella. I think it's a bad idea to put a, to open an umbrella in the building. If I have an umbrella, if you can for just a minute, I want you to picture this umbrella as it represents the Sar Shalom. The Sar Shalom. If I could write it right here and ruin this umbrella for future purposes, I, I, I could do that, but Sar Shalom. If you can prepare with me the idea. Jesus is the Sar Shalom. As long as I am underneath the umbrella, as long as I am underneath the Star Shalom, underneath Christ, 
we can have his peace. We can live under his peace. Now, does that mean that we can do anything we want and still have peace? No, you can't. Now, can a guy get his girlfriend pregnant and then go to church and have peace? No, because he is doing something outside the Sar Shalom. He's doing something outside the will of the Lord. You know, can a couple get in a big, hairy fight, go after each other, say names, and bear their kids? They do it in front of their kids. And then all of a sudden, have peace with God out of the blue? No, because they did that underneath, not underneath the Sar Shalom. Now, they can make things right, and they can invite God forgiveness and bring themselves back underneath the peace of God. Can a person charge up all their credit cards, spend more money than they make, and then just expect to have peace, financial peace? No, because when you start violating spiritual principles under your finances and start living outside the will of Saul Shalom under your the prince of peace, you're not going to have peace. You're not living under his will. You're not living underneath the Lord of peace. It's only when we're underneath his lordship, the one who is in charge, that we experience his peace. The peace of Saul Shalom, the prince of peace. And the amazing thing is this. Here's the amazing thing. When we are under the Lordship of Christ, when we're underneath him, he can give us a peace that most people can't understand, won't understand. When your private world is falling apart, Jesus can give you an inward peace that only you will understand deep in the spirit, but you can explain this. It goes beyond understanding. Jesus is the Sar Shalom. He is the Prince of Peace. Now, here's what I want to do for the rest of our time this morning. I'm going to keep using that umbrella for just a few minutes. Put it right here. But here's what I want to do for the rest of our time. I want to break down this next statement because it's so important for what, how we can understand peace. Here's the statement. If you're taking notes, the statement is, you cannot have the peace of God until you first have peace with God. There is a difference between the peace of God and the peace with God. I want to take a few minutes to explain what it means, what those Two lines or two preposition words, what they mean. Number one, if you're taking note, the peace of God. Let's talk about the peace of God. Jesus, the Star Shalom, is the peace who comforts you. He's the peace who comforts you. Some of you right now, like we've already talked about, you've got some things going on in your life that are just going haywire. No, you have no inward spiritual peace. Understand this, that the Sar Shalom, that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, wants to bring you comfort. And here's what he says in John 14, verse 27. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. Notice, notice this. It's not your peace. Uh, you need to understand it. This is not your peace. It's his peace that Jesus gives to you. You cannot on your own try to generate your own peace. You cannot do it on your own. You need the Star Shalom. You need him. And he wants to leave you his peace. He wants to give you his peace. Not peace that you can make, but only peace that he can give. True peace. 
true peace. He gives you his peace. Some of you might say, well, what if I don't have his peace? What if I don't live underneath his peace? And if you don't have his peace, just maybe, just maybe you're a believer, but you've been living outside of this umbrella of the Prince of Peace. You have not been living underneath his lordship. You've been trying to do it on your own. You've been trying to cope life on your own. You've been trying to find the energy to do this on your own. You've been trying to live life on your own. You're trying to do this outside the Star Shalom. You have the umbrella. It's pouring in your life. You said, I don't need it. I can cover it with my own hand. I can create my own peace. But meanwhile, you're getting soaking wet. It's not working. But you think it's working. Now, meanwhile, you've got the umbrella. You've got it closed up. Let's try that again. There you go. You've got it closed up in your hand, but you're soaking wet. You've got the peace but you're not living under the peace. You don't want to live under it. So what we do, the Bible said that in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, do not be anxious about anything. Many of you right now, you are anxious, period, about everything. About everything. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he said, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So what we do? Well, we're not underneath the Lordship of peace. When we're trying to cope it on our own, trying to live life on our own, we simply pull out the peace that we have if you're a believer in Christ and fall underneath his peace. We fall underneath the lordship of the prince of peace and we present our anxiety to him. We say, God, I cannot do this on my own. God, I'm, I'm tired of trying to create my own peace. And I want to give you my troubles. I want to give you my chaotic lives. I want to give it to you. And I want to live under you. I want to walk through life. I want to walk through the storms of life with you. With you. And when we're under the peace of God, when we're under his covering, does that mean that we're exempt from bad things from happening? No. See Psalm 23. The psalmist says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's the picture I want you to remember. He's holding an umbrella with the Prince of Peace. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I feel no evil. I have peace because I know that he walks with me. I'm living underneath his peace. Yes, my feet are getting muddy. Yes, my feet get wet. But I'm walking through the storm. See, Jesus doesn't avoid the storm, but we walk through it with him. And we can have a peace that goes, that transcends beyond our human understanding. Some of you, this is what you need to hear. You have the umbrella. You have Christ. Sometimes you may not know just how good he is until you know how hard life can be. Sometimes we have to go through the hardship so that we can see the goodness and the peace of Jesus. Here's the second thought here. I want to talk about the word peace with God. Look at the peace of God. If you have Christ in your life, you have the umbrella. How are you using the umbrella? You have the peace of God. Are you using it? Are you under it? But if you don't have peace with God, you're empty-handed. You don't have Christ until you have peace with God. Here's the peace. Jesus is the peace that saves you. Here's the peace who brings salvation. You don't have access to the peace of God 
until you have peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. Now, the word justified, for some of you, you say, what that word mean? That means to be made right before God. This is another word for salvation. We've been made right by God through faith. Not by our good works, not by our religious efforts, but by faith. We have peace with God. Since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace, not because we're trying to work out our own salvation by our own good works, but we have peace with God through the star Shalom, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how do I have peace with God? How do I get the peace? How do I have access to the star Shalom? How do I claim his peace? How do I have peace with God? You know, this next verse I want to look at, it's the key verse of Christmas. It, it, this is the central purpose of Christmas we find in this verse. And it sums up the whole Christmas story and why we celebrate it. Now, I also believe that this verse will help us answer the question on how we can find peace with God. And if you're here today and you don't have Jesus in your life, or you've never asked him to come into your life to save you, I, I pray that you'll listen for the next few minutes. For those who have Christ, I pray that you'll just listen and take in the amazing peace, the amazing thing that God has done for your life and for mine. Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Here's the verse. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. I want to unwrap three parts to the Christmas story. Three acts, if you would say. Three acts to the story of Christmas. The first act, the first part of the story, if you're taking notes, it's the story of man's sin. This little baby named Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Let me start with the bad news. Because Christmas is good news, but if there's good news, there's got to be bad news. And here's the bad news. Because of sin... Because of sin, we are restless, chaotic, broken, and without peace with God. Because of sin, we are spiritually depraved. We are spiritually depraved. One of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, Isaiah, said in Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The greatest theologian of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, says in Romans chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, he said, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wisest man in all the Bible, King Solomon, he said in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse number 20, For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. According to Psalm 14, verse 2 and 3, God himself made a worldwide search for mankind. And here's what he found when he looked across the world. He said, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. The verdict of the Bible is this, is that man is depraved. He is spiritually dead. He is lost in his sin. He is without hope and without peace. And because of sin, we live in a broken world. That's why there's no real peace in our world today. That's why that we live, no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we try to find peace and create peace, we fall short of it. Because there's always wars and rumors of wars. And the bad news becomes worse news. Because there's no human remedy for the sickness of sin. There's no remedy. It's a terminal illness which causes both physical death 
and spiritual death. You can wash with the rags of righteousness, bathe in the water of ritual and spirituality. You can scrub yourself with the soap of religion. You can scrub hard as you want, but you cannot remove the stain of sin. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 2, although you wash yourself with soap and use an abundance of cleansing powder, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the sovereign Lord. You can plunge into the ocean of the perfume of good work, but will not remove the stench of sin. You can inject yourself with the vaccine of church attendance and spirituality and doing good work, but that will not remove the strength of sin. Man is spiritually depraved, but man also is spiritually desperate. Spiritually desperate. We are not only helpless before sin, we are hopeless before sin. We are bound by sin, dominion, and bondage. Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 34, he said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We are vulnerable to sin, death, and punishment. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. As ironic as it seems, if there were no sin, there would have been no Savior. If there had been no Savior, there would have been no Christmas. So Christmas must begin with the bad news. And that's the first story. That's the first act, the story of man's sin. But here's the second story, the second act of this amazing story. It's the story of God's Son. And from the very beginning of the human race, God was getting this world ready for Christmas. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it prophesied 700 years before Christ. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That means God will be with us. The Bible says from the time that Jesus was born, he lived under the shadow of the cross. He lived under the shadow of the cross. Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those, to rescue those who were under the law. Jesus Christ, he came to redeem this world, to pay for their sins. A, a debt that we could not pay in our spiritual depravity, in a chaotic world, he made a payment that only he could make on that cross. It's wonderful to celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus. But the birth of the Lord Jesus loses its meaning apart from his death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why there's a third part to the story. And that's the story of our salvation. Jesus did his part to bring reconciliation. To bring us his peace, wholeness, completeness, shalom. Now the ball's in your court. I want you to notice that Christmas tells us three things about salvation. Number one, it's comprehensive. It's comprehensive. It's for everybody. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, we've already read this. But the angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to, if you would like to underline it, all people. It's comprehensive, the story of salvation, the peace of God is available. The peace that we can have with him is available to everyone. God sent Jesus into this world to save anybody who wants to know him. Here's the second word. It's complementary. Complementary. Not only is this salvation available to anyone, it's available to anyone without cost. John 3.16, God so loved the world, he gave the gift. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, again, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And here's the third word, it's complete. 
is complete. Oh, I love this. The salvation that God has given us is completely paid for. It is complete. The salvation is final. It's forever. God's gift is permanent. You never have to take back God's gift because it doesn't fit. You never have to take God's gift back to the store because it's broken. It's perfect. It never breaks down. You never have to take it back to the store because it went out of style. It's forever. And it's custom made just for you. And that's the real Christmas story. Thank God that Christmas is just more than a reindeer, jingle bells, whistle toes, dreaming of a white Christmas. I'm so glad that Christmas is much more than that. Christmas is all about the fact that a baby was born in a cradle. He went on to become a savior on the cross and now lives as a king on the throne. And he's willing to forgive over all of your sins if you're willing to give your life to him. And when you give your life to him, he gives you the prince of peace. When you have peace with God, you can have peace of God. The star shalom. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, you were far away from him. You were so far gone. It's not even funny. You were so separated from God. He said, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Outside of him, we have no promises. Inside of him, we have the peace that surpasses all understanding. We have the peace of the one who is in charge. I pray that today, if you have the peace with God, I pray that you're living underneath the peace of God. I pray that you're living underneath the prince of the star shalom, the prince of peace. I pray that you're not living like this. You might be a believer, but you're walking like this, and perhaps God is trying to draw you near back to his peace, back to him. I pray that for those that don't have peace with God at all, that you'll receive God's free gift of his salvation. If you want the peace of God, you must first have peace with God. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you that we know this peace, the Prince of Peace. Now, though we live in a broken world, a world of chaos, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our finances, whether it's in our health, whether it's just in our community that we're living in, when we turn the TV on, there seems to be no peace. We hear bad news all the time. And sometimes we, we begin to wonder. Sometimes we lose sight of the Sar Shalom, the chief of, of priests, the prince of peace. So God, today, I pray, number one, for those who are believers, for those who have a relationship and salvation with Christ, Perhaps there's some of us here today, we're not living underneath the South Shalom. We've been trying to live out our lives without him. God, I pray that we will submit underneath his leadership. I pray that we will submit our lives underneath his lordship so that we can experience the peace that he wants us to have, that we have access to. And although we may not quite understand it all, though, we will understand deeply that he is with us. God, there may be some of us here, though, they don't have peace with you. There's a big divide between you 
and God. God, I pray that today that that peace can come together. That God, I pray that whoever that might be in this room that today that they will come to you with all their faults, with their past, with their sins. God, I pray that today they will give their heart and life to you. I pray that today they will invite your forgiveness, invite your peace, invite your son Jesus to come into our lives so that we can be justified through faith, not through works, but we'll be justified. We have salvation through a simple belief that you came as a baby boy born in a cradle who lived a perfect life, who died on a cross, and now today you're the king that lives on the throne, who forgives no matter what we've done, but will forgive for those who ask for his forgiveness. For those who ask for salvation, God, I pray that today we'll see the Christmas story. It's more than just a baby being born in a manger. It's so much more than that. He came to give us peace. Perhaps, God, there's someone here today that needs to reach out to you and say, God, I am a sinner. And they want to pray this prayer and ask for peace. They need peace with God. And I'm talking to those who don't know Christ. They say, God, what must I do? The Bible said that we simply cry out to the name of Jesus, and he will save you. You can cry out a simple prayer in the silence of your heart. And it's not the words here, but it's what you're saying through your heart. You say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I'm helpless, hopeless. I'm depraved. And I need to save you. And today I'm giving my life to you. Forgive me my past sin, my present sin, my future sin. God, forgive me. I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect. But I understand that what you've done for me will cover it all. So I give my life to you. And today, I want to have peace with you. I want to have true peace. Real peace. Not this false peace that I've been trying to create. I want true peace. I want the Prince of Peace. The Star of Shalom. The Star of Shalom in my life. And if you're here today and says, God, today I ask Jesus, just now, I ask Jesus to come into my heart. I ask him to come into my life to be the Prince of Peace. No one's looking, but I just want to celebrate with you this Christmas. If you say, God, I pray that prayer, and I ask Jesus to come into my life, let's just pray that prayer. If that's you, will you raise your hand? Is there anyone in this room that would boldly proclaim, hey, God, I did that, and I asked Jesus in my life. Is there anybody here? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the peace that you give. I pray that we will walk out of here living underneath the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And you're in my prayer. Amen.